Welcome to the Love Fly podcast. I'm Paul Tizar, fear flying coach for 25 years. And today I'm joined by two extraordinary fellows who have an amazing story to tell, both crew, ex-crew, etc., but have set up this phenomenal Facebook group, amongst other things, which uh, has something like 10,000 plus members on it now, which is phenomenal. So today we're going to be talking about that journey and also some stories about how they dealt with their own fears that will be able to help you as nervous flyers. So welcome. How are you doing, Paul? So your story so far has been unbelievable, like in less than a year to get to 10,000 members. And I'm curious what personal fear challenges you had to overcome to do that. And just, yeah, so just tell us about your story. Go for it, oh, yeah, coaches. Yeah, uh, Paul, it was, uh, it really was the fear, actually. And I knew I always wanted to put some kind of podcast uh, together, whether it be uh, visual or audio. And it was terrifying. Now, when lockdown started, as it happens, that sort of uh, former colleague on here, Alex Chisholm, he, he was putting out a, uh, a free course on podcasts. And I knew I wanted to do it. But then he set up a competition within his group as to who could publish the first one first. Now, I'm glad to say I did win that, but it was only with a like a, a minute and a half uh, trailer. But the fear of actually pressing that publish button, and considering, as I say, this first one was like a minute and a half long, but it took me about five minutes to actually uh, press it. Uh, and I think the reason of that was exposure, fear, fear, fear of exposing myself to an uh, audience. And so, yeah, it was absolutely terrifying. But, but I did it, and... I mean, as I'm telling you now, God knows how many programs we've done now, but um, yeah, it's, it's certainly not a fear anymore. So I, th I think repetition helps initially get you over that fear, depending, of course, on what it is. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So you you kind of recognise that you had this resistance in yourself and you spent, you said, yeah. five minutes before you actually pressed that. What thoughts were going through your head at that moment? Well, literally, it, it was what are people going to think my my parents can listen to me on here, which, which should be sort of a sense of pride. But all of a sudden, you are putting yourself out for sort of public ridicule or, you know, I mean, they weren't actually, as it happened, everyone was very, very supportive, hence the growth of the group. But yeah, it was the initial one of, oh, my God, this this is out on the digital platform now. If someone wants to record it, I've lost all control over this. So, yeah, it, it was a big fit. Big fear, but still glad I did it. Yeah, I think so. For me, the interesting thing about that particular very quick story is that you recognise that there's some resistance, and there's there's a lot of things going on there. Like, I'm now going to be sort of exposed to the public, which means that people can find me, and then you have to overcome all those sort of like those negative limiting thoughts. You've had to do all of that just to get it out there, and then you know that your family and everyone. Is going to be listening to it which should be a source of support but actually that's more even more scary perhaps if i could just jump uh, in there uh, sorry basically i'm kind of the very opposite to the way that trev was feeling about because trevor like well i was trevor's first interview when he uh, created the not just group community so i was his first story life after flying what i was doing now uh, working for the ambulance service i was his first guest which was easy because obviously he was asking the questions. I was telling the story. But when I've, I remember when Trevor asked us shortly after that to do 
a piece on mental health and kind of like tell people about my story, then that was quite daunting. That was worrying for me because it took us a couple of days to kind of think what I wanted to say and to revisit certain things that had happened. And a bit like yourself, Trev, it uh, took us a while to kind of, I was doing videos, I was I was deleting them, I was doing another video, I was deleting them, and then I thought, you know what, to pop with all of that, I'm just going to deliver it, I'm going to put it out there, one shot, took about 40 minutes, whatever I say, I don't, I don't even know what's coming in my mouth half the time, I was just thought, whatever I say, if it's of interest and any use to anybody, then there you go, if nobody likes it, then nobody likes it. I just stopped myself from overthinking and worrying too much about what I was going to say. Out it came, and I've I've kind of like had that mentality ever since. <laughs> yeah, you probably you probably yeah uh, uh, picking that up when you've been watching the shows. There's no script. There's just I I, I kind of like say how I feel on the day. Like my emotions kind of like uh, run run away with this, and uh, I've got no control over my mouth basically. So. But it's no. all good. Well, you two both seem fearless to me. So that's that's a surprise to me that you had those doubts that went through your mind. Because when I watch you do, so these guys with their 10,000 member group hold a show every week as a minimum, plus lots of other things that they do. And they interview people, all sorts of people, and get them to share their story about things that they've done, having to face redundancy and things like that, which is you know, up there with in terms of things that people fear a lot, which is losing your income because it affects your security, your status, everything, doesn't it? So it's it's a big deal for people. And these guys are putting their time in to help them. And so when I watch you, I just think, crikey, you, you look fearless. You look like nothing's <laughs> going to phase you at all. Yeah, well, I think for me, sorry, I think for me, the fear's actually changed. The, the fear is not appearing in front of camera because I think hopefully Simon and I bounce quite well off uh, uh, each other. And I think we've got a second sense of what each other's th thinking. Sometimes the fear for me now is producing the content that people actually want to uh, see. So, the, the, yeah, the fear's actually developed into something else. As appearing for, on camera, actually, one of the biggest tips I ever got was change the word fear that you've heard in, into the word excitement. Because apparently, and you'll, you'll know more about this, uh, Paul, apparently your subconscious can't register the difference between the two. So if you tell yourself you're excited rather than fear, uh, that, that can sometimes help. But yeah, fear's different. It, it's moved along, but even that is sort of gradually, gradually going now. Uh, experience and repetition, I think, are the biggest uh, defeaters of fear. I think there's something for me there, Trev, that you've talked about. But there's this perfectionist thing. So you mentioned now working on the, the actual production side of it. Then you feel like it has to be sort of flawless. And so we, we hold ourselves to some sort of perfect record, which means, you know, and a lot of people have fear, think, well, I've got to be perfect. I've, be, I've got to be completely calm. I've got to be completely okay with it. Everything's going to be perfect and great. So you've got that going on but also you've found yourself a strategy that helps you. So using that one yeah. about saying the body interprets the signals, you decide what they are. Uh, I like that. And the, yes, I do use that one sometimes. I think it's a, it's a great little method that was helpful for people. Simon, you look like you're going to say something no. really profound. No, it's, it's, it's not at all. <laughs> but like, I totally agree with you, Trev. It's, it's more excitement than fear. And, 
and the more and more that we do within our group, because our group is a support of inspiring and kind of like to to kind of like hold people close to us and guide them through like what's been difficult times over this last year. That's why we do these shows every Monday to bring on a guest who have finished their flying career or maybe they're still doing it, but they're doing many other things just to show our community that there is other things out there and it's not the end of the world so, since they've ceased from flying and they can do so many other things and just to recognise how special they are with all those transferable skills that they've obtained throughout their flying career. That's why we're up to 10,000 members now from the very humble beginnings of just me. Yeah, it's more excitement. Everything that we do from now on, it's been such an exciting journey. We're doing so many different things and that's what drives us onwards. And we just want to keep providing excitement, more content, more options for our members, not just obviously the shows that we provide every Monday and the Saturday summaries on the Saturday, We'd, we've, we're branching off into so many different things. We've done the crew markets to give people the chance to produce their amazing products to show their entrepreneurial skills. That's been ticked, achieved. We did that before Christmas. It's still continuing now with the, the amazing Gemma Brazier. We've also got the podcasts on Spotify, iTunes. We've also gone into, um, shall I say it, Trev? Oh, we're branching out into yeah, the audio. Yeah, yeah, very exciting project, yeah. Yeah, we're producing audio books now with Kaylee Kay, who's got these novels. So we we are encouraging Kaylee, and uh, we're going to develop the audio books market as well. We're going into, I'm not going to say the music industry. <laughs> no, well, it, it is kind of, but we've got... The edges amazing, of. <laughs> yeah, the edges of. We've got an amazing recording artist who is with us and under the Not Just Crew banner. We're going to encourage her to like continue her career in the music industry and like sponsor her. And Trev, what else? Well, it's like, there is loads going on in the, uh, in, in the background. Every time I think we've, we've come to, to where we can sort of uh, rest and just carry on, uh, something else opens up, you know. But so it's, it's all, go, go back to your original point, fear. And it, we, both Simon and I could have the fear of growth, really, but we've decided to, we're going to adapt to that very quickly and Let just me carry on that. growing. <laughs> Let me nab that one, because that is All right. fear of success yeah. is a thing. So oh, how, yeah, have yeah, you, how have you mastered that? How, do you, how have you kept uh, yourself so open? By keeping ourselves busy. It's rather than uh, dwelling on, oh my, I know, we, we have to get on with this project. We've, we've chatted. And we've decided, and this is where it helps uh, having a partner mm. in business as well. You, you know, I think we give each other the, the nod and say, yeah, we, we can we can do this. We can do this. And half the act of saying we can do this is like a command to our brain to say, yeah, we, we can do this, as well as uh, confer- confirm it with each other. So Simon said so much going on in these these projects because it's so easy to stop thinking, okay, we, we've reached where we can comfortably be now. But we haven't. We've, we've definitely carried carried on growing. And I always I always feel is if you don't give it a go, you're never going to know. That's that's not a well. It does rhyme, but like it's nothing that I've been thinking of all night. If you don't give it a go, you're never going to know. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. What have you got to lose? We haven't got anything to lose, really. A bit of money here and there, but if it's something that 
you know, people, you said this before, didn't you, Trev? People go out and spend thousands on golf memberships, yeah. don't they? Because they enjoy doing it. We enjoy doing this. So this is this is what our passion is at the moment. We get so much out of what the group give us back, you know, when they say thank you and they appreciate the work that you're doing. We get so much back from that, which means us more to give more. We want to explore different avenues. And because it's so exciting, and it, it like I say, if you don't try, then you're never going to know. And I'm nearly 50 now. You guys are well over that mark now. But, like, I'm just <laughs> on the door at 50. And I'm, and I'm thinking, so, you know, I've gone 50 years in my life. There's, there's not many years to go. <laughs> but, there's, you know, I want to experience much more that life's got to give, you know. And it's just, I'm more, I think I'm more excited now about what we're doing as well as the job that I'm doing as well. But I'm more excited now in my life and I've got more like inspiration and kind of like creativity now than what I think I've ever had in my life because all I've ever done is work for other people. I've done the jobs, I've enjoyed doing it, but now it's kind of like we're, we're the creators of our own destinies. We are the masters of nothing. Yeah, but, uh, so let me no. interrupt because that's a, that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, so... There, there we go. There's another thing that you've had to overcome because a lot of people, when they get later 40s, 50s, they don't want to start a business or anything. They might be fed up with the day gig thing where you're not, but some people are. But the thing, the fear of failure or even fear of success or whatever it is, or even just fear of starting that inertia, you've, you've overcome that as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting. The, the fact that you say, if you don't give it a go, you'll never know which is obviously your new mantra. I think that's really powerful. And that, and that is a really helpful, uh, helpful belief pattern that people can use. But there's a question that's occurred to me, right? You've had some phenomenal, I've never seen a Facebook group, for example, grow so big so quickly. And, and I'm wondering what it is that you two give off, and I know Alex as well, but breed such trust. Yeah, I, I could certainly start, and I know some will have something to add for that. Firstly, I, I think it's because we all come from sort of different social back, backgrounds and different areas of the, of the country. We listen to everybody. Every view uh, is important. We try not to take ourselves too seriously, but try, try and encourage and, and give hope and in, inspire others as well. We don't claim to have the answers for everything, and I think that's a real importance and distinction is we can act as sounding boards we can say what we think we know everyone acknowledges it may not necessarily be right but but if not i think as a group has grown so much we can usually find somebody who does know the answer including yourself sometimes paul yeah wow did you have that written down trev <laughs> that was, absolute... <laughs> that was straight, straight to i'm oh, sorry amazing. And it yeah, seems so me. natural. It's lovely. Well, I've got the also cue there and I've got my director in front of me there. But uh, yeah, no, off the top of my head, which I won't go into. No, that was that was spot, spot on. Well said. It's, no. it's absolutely, you know, it's I, I, I go along with everything like you said there. And it's, it's like you say, we don't know the answers to everything and we don't profess to know the answers. We're not all knowing. We do hold our hands up, you know, if we need help as well. And uh, like you say, because there's 10,000 people in this group, if people do come to us, 
with any uh, like questions, then we kind of know, you know, we can point them in the right direction now, which is kind of like it's it's brilliant, you know. Like if we if we can help any one, we started off if we could help one person out, then we'd be happy. But we've helped like yeah. like thousands of people out now, and it's just like it's just crazy. Even when when yeah. we're talking about things like that, it's just crazy to think that this is actually happening. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It really is. Does it ever cause you like sort of generalized anxiety thinking about all that responsibility or does it weigh if, on you? Yeah, for, for me, I'm not sure what Simon is, but um, for, for, for me it does because I think it is responsible and it wasn't necessarily responsibility I want, wanted, but but then again, I, I'm, I'm not dismissive of it. Yeah, it, it's good, as Simon says. If we can help people, it's fine, as long as it comes with the caveat that, you know, we're not the hundred percent authority. We can bring people who in who, who are, but yeah, does it? Um, sometimes let's say it's, it's quite a fun show to to have as well. You know, we're trying to make people laugh, especially in these these dark times. And as I sort of said before, we, we can we can reflect, we can sort of project, and hopefully entertain. Not necessarily in that order. The only time that I kind of might get a bit anxious about anything is when anybody gets upset in the group. Yeah. And they're not happy with uh, maybe some content in there. And then there's like, obviously, there's a bit of this dialogue going to and fro. And, and it kind of can be a bit of problematic there. But like, we've always done really well, Trev, haven't we, to kind of like nip it in the board and, and speak to individuals directly. And then it's all like kind of cleared up. Yeah, so only time I get a bit anxious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's understandable because you're, you're carrying a lot with this group and I, and I know that the people will appreciate what you do for them and in a way now you've got to a point where you're the group is large enough that you can act as sort of not not just moderators but you're like facilitators aren't you so you can bring in different things link people up act like a catalyst to help people I, I just think it's phenomenal I, I, honestly when I saw the the if every week going up hundreds of people at a time I was like wow there's obviously a, a hunger there, and now you're meeting that need, which I think is phenomenal. So I'm wondering, okay, to what extent do you think your having crew backgrounds, current and former, have geared you up to be so successful with this now? I, I think it's been of paramount importance, actually, Paul, um, to deal with each situation differently. You, you may have... I wouldn't even call them rules. I think you'd call them guidelines that you can sort of think of how, how you deal with most situations and then to treat each situation uh, individually. Uh, also, the fear of when I first became a flight service manager, all of a sudden I was standing up in 400 people make, make, making PAs. Uh, again, and that's when I tried to turn that fear into sort of excitement. I can even just do a, a boring PA and I, I'm, I'm sure Simon did the same as well. Or you could make it fun as part of the uh, experience. Uh, and, and again, even that plan, because say business customers don't always want to hear the same as holiday sort of customers. So yeah, learning to read the uh, situation uh, and try and enjoy it and try and get the other people, your, your customers to enjoy it as well. Uh, and by taking that responsibility onto me, onto myself, hopefully I, I could sort of uh, part, pass it on to, to others as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you make it sound so. It's interesting. So I'll, I'll come to you, Simon. Sorry, Trevor. Oh, sorry. It's, when you talked about the, you know, you moved to the position of responsibility, you've had to overcome some fears there, 
and you talked about you know i've got to talk in front of 400 people and i know that the business passengers don't want to hear it they just want to eat yeah. and sleep get to their meetings and then the assumption being that people in coach economy or whatever don't mind it they like a bit of spirit and stuff so you're kind of balancing all of this plus you're the person that's in charge of that flight that i mean you kind of jumped over it like you know i just told myself it was fear and it is actually not fear it's excitement but i wonder if there's a kind of a personal journey that you had to go through to do that yeah i, I think there probably is but it's it's where that journey starts and it's not even so where it starts it's where you think you want you know you want it to be your ultimate de- destination and for me when i joined the airlines i really thought literally that would be it i'm where i want, want to be as it's progressed i've realized i wanted to do other things and the ability to speak to our first class passengers without being over overwhelmed uh, has been a, uh, a real journey of discovery, really. Just, but again, it wasn't necessarily a journey I set out on, but it's literally just what, what happened uh, along, along the way. So you had a kind of a vision of where you wanted to be and you've yeah. just moved towards it. And then along the way, you've had to overcome certain things. So, for example, talking to upper-class passengers, first-class passengers, they're, they're, they see the world very differently to somebody who's perhaps feels like they might be serving them. So there could be some of these assumptions going on in our heads that you've had to deal well, with all of that. With, with, with Virgin, one of the reasons I went to join Virgin is you didn't necessarily have that have that feeling. Uh, I think Virgin was probably one of the only airlines where they did pretty much speak to you on equal terms. In fact, they were glad to speak to you on equal terms without putting on any airs and graces. And I mean, I know Simon's had a fair few last with our Apple passengers, including famous ones. But they did, I must admit, they treated us a bit, bit differently, I think, than they would have done to uh, other airlines. So I think it wasn't necessarily the career I was in. I think it was also the actual company that I joined as well. Mm. Well, the, the, fa- the, fact that, the fact that uh, Richard Branson used to actually walk around the flight centre yeah. and, and not put himself up there and distance himself from, obviously, us as crew. So, like, you had all the top managers. Everyone was, like, kind of, like, as one, very much a family. I used to attend meetings uh, representing cabin crew. And Richard Branson would be on there and would have discussions about morale. And I never felt as if I couldn't speak up and, and, and actually say what was on my mind. You were always encouraged if you had concerns, even though you have some crew going, oh, no, everything's perfect, everything's great. I'll be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not going to sit here saying that because I don't feel as if everything is great. So you were encouraged to speak your mind. But like going back to kind of like what you were saying before about yourself, Trev, when you were like, what the what flying brought you being able to speak in front of people and you know like 400 people I always it doesn't matter what I'm kind of doing I'm still nervous before I do anything I'm not saying there's any anxiety I'm nervous but I'm excited nervous and and there's that little thing in my head going oh god don't do it don't do it to Dorton but then there's the, the bigger one saying go on go on you're gonna love it you're gonna love this you know and so that's what drives me and it pushes me to do it. I'm like really nervous doing it. But once I'm doing it, I'm kind of like, I'm going with it. Like I said, don't know where it's going. And then afterwards, I feel great. I always feel great after I've done something where I feel as if I've pushed myself and then I've, I've achieved it. But it's not an easy process. I'm super nervous beforehand. 
And it's just like the adrenaline kind of thing that keeps us doing things like that. Yeah. So, like so for me, there's a there's a something there's a couple of other things going on here. So you know, with Trev sort of like pushing towards has this image of kind of where he wants to be and and then deals with the things along the way. Then you've talked about the environment, which I'll come back to that one in a second, actually. So Simon, when you're talking about then, so you can notice that there's nervousness, but you said the thing that wants you to do something is bigger than the, yeah. the nervousness. And I think that's an interesting idea. I remember Tony Robbins talking about that, is that when the desire to do the thing is bigger than the reasons not to do yeah. it, people do stuff. And that was a great example of that, what you just gave there. Because like if, if when I have had those feelings and not done it, I feel disappointed. I, I come mm. away feeling like all deflated. Yeah. A, a little bit like, oh God, why didn't I do that? And I hate yeah. that feeling. I hate yeah. walking away thinking, you idiot, I should have just done it. Blimey. And that a lot of people say that when they when there's a sorry to quote him again, but Tony Robbins says if if there's if something that is a can't, then it's a must. And so I can't do that. I, I could never do that. And so you guys setting up this group and you going and doing this talking in front of hundreds of people, going towards all these different things that you're doing, Simon, and having noticing that you have this kind of nervousness, but then there's a bigger reason to do it. But the thing that I think will help people listening to this is that always, 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 when you walk towards a fear, get past it, it feels great, doesn't it? You always feel like, wow, I can't believe I just did that. Mm -hmm. It must be like the buzz, you know, when when like people are, like actors in theatre and like just before they're going on stage and like they always get them feelings, don't they? Like they're super, so nervous. They're even like being sick, like in the whatever you call them, the wing ways or whatever you call them, uh, they're being sick. And then they get on stage and they deliver and then they come away just feeling, oh, euphoric, great. Now, one of my, one of my big... I would say, I'm going to say fear is, you guys have probably done it already. I know you have, Paul. I think Trevor has as well. But getting on a stage, probably on your own, and talking to like hundreds of people, like all of those, how how can you deal with that? But I would do it. Right, but, yeah. like, but like, I'll, I'll be like, if that was to happen, like someone was saying, right, Simon, you're going to be on stage talking to 400 people next week. Oh, wow. I may even get goosebumps thinking about it now, but wow, mm. it would be so but you good. Would do it, to... would you? Yeah, you yeah. Would do I'm, it. I'm excited. <laughs> not even yeah, no, excited. So where do those resources come from then? Because you, you just said there, I'd be goosebumps thinking about that, but you would do it. Where's that resourcefulness come from? I don't know. I think I've always I think I've always had it since I was a, just like uh, just since I since I can remember, you know what I mean? Just like putting yourself out there and and just like I don't know. I think that might probably come from my parents because they, they, they're very much like that. You know, I think it's just uh, it's just something that's being passed down to me through their behaviour. <laughs> you know, and I picked up on it. You know? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the, the other way, say, take Simon's example, in, in speaking in front of a, a group of a, uh, a large group of people, which I know can bring certain people to tears, as Simon said, you know, the butterflies. But the way I got over that was talking about the excitement, changing the fear to excitement, acknowledging that. But also, I read an article, and it was a fair few years ago, and I have used it a few times, it's called Mental Rehearsal. Now, it's when you 
and not really that because you haven't actually done it yet, but when you sort of visualize what you're going to do and, and break it down into sections and imagine each part uh, being absolutely perfect. And you go through that in your mind a fair few, few, few times. And I, I, I understood this, that ice skaters you used to do this before they're sort of, say, uh, going for an Olympic. They would just stay in sort of like a, a meditated position. Not that I did the meditation, but that, that sort of put themselves in a meditated state and just constantly think about every move they did uh, until it was absolutely perfect. So, yeah, me mental rehearsal seems to work along with this is just for me, but uh, along with the thing, change that word fear to change it to I'm excited. And you say you've given your brain an order to be excited mm -hmm. about it, not fear. Yeah. Well, the vision thing's really interesting. The mental rehearsal is a is a well documented idea. And so it's, it's great to hear that 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 works for you. And I think it's very, very powerful because you can trick your body into feeling certain ways by mentally rehearsing. So, you know, the nervous flyers often say to them, just, you know, let's go on the flight now, but just do it in your head. And it's a great flight. In fact, all flights mm. are great. And you're smiling, you're looking around. And of course, they're going to resist that internally. But and say any fear you're feeling right now is all in your head because we're not on a flight. We're just thinking about it. And so that yeah. rehearsal is very, very powerful. So it was interesting to hear it used in a, in a different way. But up there with fear of flying, fear of public speaking is, is in the top three, for definite. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think, I, I think so. And again, a, a fear of, I say someone's touching this, but a fear of trying something new. Procrastination sort of comes into this, you know, but it's, it's getting on with it is probably the best thing anyone can do about any subject when it comes to fear. I mean, I think fear was initially designed for when we had uh, sort of wild animals and marauding invaders come to the country. They, they've New, got Newcastle, yeah. Newcastle, yeah, well, they, they, they you know, um, but, um, so, you know, that, and again, fear is definitely real. I mean, I, I think the first thing to do is acknowledge it, it's real. This, this, get, this, this is me. Uh, acknowledge it's real and then decide your strategy of, of how you're going to overcome it. And, and the ones I've mentioned is, is how I sort of generally, uh, generally try to get over any fear I have. I always, like, one of my things as well, if somebody else is doing it, then I can do it. Well, I could give it a go anyway. Like, you know, if there's, yeah. if there's, no, if there's no physical harm going to come to the end of whatever you're thinking about doing or you, you're meant to be doing, no physical harm, you're not going to die. You know, you're not going to get punched or stabbed or anything like that. And, and you've, just <laughs> seen, you've just seen somebody else do it. And I'm like, look, I'm going, well, they've just done it. I can, I, can, I can do that. You know what I mean? Give it a go. You know, mm -hmm. so that, that gives me like a bit of a drive to crack on. That's excellent. That's, I'd categorise that as helpful self-talk, you know, yes. and, and quite often if you've got a fear or you want to do something, you think I could never do that. You can borrow it. So you mm -hmm. can borrow strategies from people. So little phrases like that can be quite useful. You know, that, you know, you think I'd, so people have said to me, I'm never going to love flying. I just say, it's yeah. just not me. Yeah. So, well, what does someone who does love flying, what would they be saying to themselves and how would they walk onto the aircraft that's different to you? So you can borrow behaviours and, and act as if, fake it till you become it, as the phrase goes, you know. And I think some of the examples you're giving there are brilliant. I love, like, touching on the flying, I mean, I love everything, like, you know, about the flying experience. 
I mean, I know a, a lot, lot of uh, the people that you talk to, Paul, you know, that have so many different fears, but like all of the, everything, the whole process about flying, maybe it's not the check-in, but I'll leave that to the wife because I find that a little bit stressy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Especially when you've got kids in tow. I love kids. Anyway, that process onwards, especially like, you know, having a few drinks beforehand, walking down the jetway, possibly getting out of grade, getting on the plane, seeing the crew, smiling, finding your way to the seats, watching people. I love watching people. I, I like watching their behaviour. Very odd, some people can be. And you see, you can, I get satisfaction out of seeing how stressed they can be by like, you know, oh, bag over there. Get, oh, God, I'm not sitting there. I watch all of those things, so they're a distraction. I enjoy that. I love watching the crew. I love the smells on board the aircraft, mainly before it's taken off, not so much after. The services, I just get so much entertainment, not just from that little screen in front of me, but everything going around me. That is my source of entertainment as a passenger, as crew, without busy anyway, working so hard, Trevor, not so much, but working so hard that I'm just so focused and the time passes by like so fast. But it's everything I love about flying. It's just it's just such an amazing thing. That's why we went for the name Love Fly. Because oh, yeah, every yeah. other name before it. So the last program I was called I ran was called Flying Without Fear. So it's still got fear in the in the title, but we're trying to think of something that would be much more broader and just say, you know, it's a gift that this generation's got, you know, aviation's only really been around for about 100 years, but for us, 40, 50 years where it's been open to the masses. So it's, it's, a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing mm. thing. So we were kind of trying to say, it's bloody miracle, this thing, you know, it's, it's just magic. So we need to make the most of it. So we, I totally get that, Simon, it's that, that love of it. And, and, and planes are beautiful, they're absolutely beautiful, the aircraft now. Nowadays, the, the library and the, the graphics and the, the artwork on planes and, you know, they're just such beautiful environments to be in. And, like, in the cabin itself as well, they've done amazing things since our journeys in the 90s. You know, you'd get on Virgin Gin, and we thought they were great then, but when you look at how the cabins were then oh, yeah. compared to now, you've got the mood lighting and all of this, like, you know, mystique and... Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful, like what it is now compared to then. It's well, it's a lot of people don't realise that, you know, how great these environments are. I was thinking, you know, stepping onto the Virgin Dreamliners as an example a couple of years ago and thinking, wow, you know, just the lighting, the way it feels, the feeling of space, you know, people not knowing the fact that the air has changed every couple of minutes, just these little things that it just makes it such a comfortable experience. But a lot of people have other images in their head. So I, I think you're absolutely right. It has really moved on. Here's a random question. Go on, then. <laughs> have you ever had any fear or anxiety linked to flying whatsoever? Absolutely not, Paul. Again, I mean, technically, in our minds, humans aren't designed to fly, so it should be fearful. But it's really not. It's an absolutely amazing experience and you know to actual sort of friends who have got a fear of flying crew wouldn't get on an aircraft if they didn't think it was safe and 
The reason they know it's safe is because they know how well their colleagues from all departments do their checks, whether it be from engineering to the captain to the crew. Everyone in our uh, chain cares about each other. And so our safety and security checks are, are, are second to none, really. So that's why I've never, ever been. But uh, nothing fearful. for you at all. Yeah. Okay. Simon? Only fear I used to have was the briefing question, getting it wrong and not being able to fly. That was my only fear, <laughs> turning up, sitting in that briefing room and thinking, please don't get this question wrong. Please, don't. I want to really want to go to San Francisco, really want to go to Vegas. Oh. And then that was my only fear. Once I got the question right, these things went off in my head and I was like, <sighs> so Yeah, so to... for a lot of people won't realise that when, when cabin crew fly, you go into a briefing at the beginning of the flight you get asked a bunch of security or aviation medicine questions and you have to get them right mm-hmm. otherwise you're not flying and so this is a moment of this is the moment that a lot of crew have terror around and also all the the retraining that you get every year around safety that's another moment of panic for a lot of crew but a lot of traveling public won't necessarily see all of that that goes on so that's interesting that's the only thing where you get nervous i've had i've been a bit nervous on go around because i didn't know it's going to happen mm-hmm. and so uh it and that was the first time i was there so i've been for all the training but i didn't really know what it meant you know so we're coming into land then all of a sudden whoosh off you go again <laughs> and i remember thinking oh cracky what was all that about and then very quickly remembered the training and thought oh no no it's just, i was just a go around and coming in a couple of times it's been windy but the thing that's always kept me going is the fact that as we all know that there's strict limits that the aircraft can take off, land in, etc. The pilots are phenomenal. The amount of training and retraining they go through. So it gives you that kind of surety, doesn't it? So you can fly and just think, well, I know it's it's as safe as anything. It's the safest thing. You know, it's safer than my journey to the airport. And yeah. also, also remember as well, as crew, I just like a thought came into my head, like especially JFK in the winter, as crew... We, as crew, were sitting by our doors, looking out the windows, especially over the wings, because, like, obviously, you can get the minus God knows what, like, over in, like, JFK, New York, and all that, when you're, when you're taking off from there. And uh, when the de-ice in the wings, but as, as crew, we are so vigilant, even on taxi, when the pilot's pushing back, we're watching all the time. We're looking inside the cabin, we're picking up on smells, we're looking outside, outside conditions. Crew are so well trained in everything that there's there's really nothing. If anything's not right, crew will pick up on it. Absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you ever so much, guys. I just thought I'd ask a a crystal ball question, right? 12 months ago, you couldn't have predicted where you'd be right now. Massive following, all these other avenues you're exploring. Tell me 12 months from now, where do you want to be or where do you think you'll be? Where, there's lots of places we want to be, actually, uh, and hopefully they'll all come together. 12 months' time, and I think only Simon will agree with this, we would, and I know this because we sort of started it already, we will have not just crew correspondents in more than 10 countries. We will have a publishing site. Not about us, you'll, you'll be glad to know, but um, of, of crew where we actually back crew talent <laughs> simon's mentioned the audio book and this single we've got coming out uh, also hopefully to do written books on 
success, successful crew or ex-crew uh, businesses. We also want to be help, helping people who want to be crew. That's where I'd like to see is in 12 months. But what we've done is try and take any problems we come up against and break them down into smaller, smaller segments. So if it can't be achieved this time, we just postpone it until the next sort of business quarter. But yeah, so that's where I think we'll be in 12 months time. Simon? And where, where I think we will be in 12 months time, I really expect our finished website, which it will be in 12 months time, that should be uh, up and running in three months' time. Full of content, full of business courses, full of an affiliation with job opportunities. So with an agency, recruitment agency, I see that. I see courses uh, to identify how skillful and how transferable skills can be incorporated in other areas. So all this singing and dancing website will be fully available with so much content. It's going to be ridiculous. I also see us as well, hopefully in a year's time, when everything's picked up, which I'm sure it will be, I'm quite confident of that in a year's time, to be going to these airlines on training courses where we are incorporated as not just crew to deliver a presentation to the common crew, future generation of what they expect I'm sure the airlines have this in mind anyway, but what they expect on their journey, become a crew, what to expect when they are flying, what skills they're going to obtain, how amazing these skills are, not just in flying, but in a personal kind of aspect in the family life. Just It's going to give them such a positive kind of like advantage and it just opens the mind because they're going to be flying all around the world. Equality, diversity, they're going to pick up so many skills, so many cultures. And they're going to, we, I want them to be fully aware of what the journey that they're going to undergo. Amazing. And I want to be clear. You two guys, <laughs> you just, you two guys, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what you've achieved. It's very inspiring to listen to you. Uh, I think a lot of people would be very grateful for the help that you've given. And I recognise that. I like to help my community, but the, the, the help that you're doing is just phenomenal. So keep doing what you're doing. It's just excellent, excellent, excellent. I don't think people realise how much passion there is behind it, but they, they're clearly picking up some of it because they're trusting you to subscribe, join what you do and turn up, listen to what you have to say every week. That's no small thing for people's time, but also for you guys. So thank you ever so much. So, so Thanks ever so much to the uh, not just crew guys, uh, uh, Trevor Jenkins and Simon Costello, the legend. It says that on his on his Zoom call here. Uh, but absolutely brilliant, and really appreciate your time today. So thank you, thank yeah, you, Paul, and, please, and please come and join us on the show again. You, you presented for us a few times now, and your talks are always full of inspiration as well. Exactly and just on a final note, around. on a final note, just for for your uh, love fly uh, family. Just to let you know that Paul has so much help and like he offers so much help to not just crew and it's invaluable and all of our 10,000 members appreciate all you offer us and uh, and the, 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 the knowledge and wisdom that you deliver is priceless. Thank you. Wow. Shucks, guys. Thanks very much. <laughs>